All right, good morning. It's great to be together again this morning. Last Sunday, I missed being with you. I was in Costa Rica with uh, Pastor Mike, and let's see, Josh is here, and Chuck, four of us went down, and you know, I was thinking this morning about God's faithfulness this morning. God is so faithful. He's so good. And uh, one of the things uh, we observed when we were in Costa Rica is Rimrock has been sending teams to Costa Rica for about eight years, I think, or maybe a little longer. And God has been faithful. It's so cool to hear the blessing. Uh, Boomer was up here doing uh, announcements, and uh, we walked into the church Sunday, and uh, I was going to share out of Romans there, but uh, we pulled up and and uh, we walked in and immediately the people took us by the hand and took us outside and said, we got to show you something, we got to show you something because you're from Rimrock, right? Yeah, we're from Rimrock. Well, they, they took us outside and there were these rocks piled along the front and they said, said you, you guys gave us those rocks. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but, but the story behind it, which is so cool, is Boomer preached that Sunday out of Joshua about piles of rocks remembering God's faithfulness and his promise. And so they kept those rocks. And God really used that team and that, that morning to, to bless that church. So, so praise God. He's using uh, this church to, to bring blessing and, and encouragement to, around the world. So thanks, guys. And they bring greetings to you guys uh, as well. So today is Mother's Day, and we take uh, one day out of the year, which uh, is kind of unfortunate because motherhood doesn't get a break. <laughs> it's every day. And, uh, you know, I... I I have a mom, many, most, everyone has a mom. <laughs> That's the most profound thing we'll talk about. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm married to a mom, and one of the things that happens is I come home from work, and I'll ask her, how, how was your day? And a lot of times, um, she'll say, you know, it, it doesn't feel like I accomplished anything today. It's pretty, pretty overwhelming. And um, this morning, as we continue through Romans, I want you mothers, and it, this is for all of us, but particularly mothers, to know that the, the righteousness of Christ is for you. Um, would you stand, and we're going to read out of Romans chapter 3, and, and we've been going through Romans, the entire book, and we're chapter 3, verse 21, but if you've noticed, the last three weeks, we've been camped out in Romans on this incredible truth that we have a serious condition as human beings it's a it's a sinful condition a broken condition and just like when you go to the doctor and if you have a, a fatal illness you don't want him to say everything's okay just go about do whatever you want no you want him to tell you what you have but how much more encouraging would it be to say you know you have this condition but I have a drug that will help you and I have a cure for you. Wouldn't that be good news? <laughs> so this morning, as we continue through Romans, we have in the backdrop our true condition of brokenness, of sinfulness. As, as Dave uh, Westergaard said, no one is righteous, as he read last week. But would you look with me in verse 21, uh, starting through verse 21 through 31. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. 
God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. And he did this to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded because of what? The law? The law of what requires works? No, because the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith, do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. You may be seated. The good news, the righteousness of God is revealed, it's made known. We can come to this chapter and we can see our true condition as sinful, unrighteous, desperate need of God. And then we come to verse 21, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. And we can read through that, breeze through that, and miss the weight and the beauty and the goodness of what God is revealing to us. As I was thinking about this verse, I went back to a memory uh, when I was uh, in high school. I uh, lived in, uh, in South America, and one thing we liked to do was go up in the mountains and explore the caves. There were a lot of caves, and uh, so we would go spelunking. We would go explore these caves, but we weren't always very smart and one day a group of us went with one flashlight and we went deep into that cave and the person holding the flashlight dropped it and it broke and we were in utter darkness <laughs> now I don't know if you've experienced that but that memory is seared in my mind because when it's so dark you can't even see the hand in front of your face and you're way underground and you know it's impossible to get out because it is steep and there's rocks and boulders and little tiny holes you had to squeeze through to get there, you know you're in trouble. That, think about that, that is the human condition, what Romans has been revealing to us. We are in darkness. We're lost. That's the weight of sin. And so I remember that moment of us sitting there, the feelings, you can just imagine the feelings of saying, boy, this, we're going to die here. The, you know, the feelings of claustrophobicness and all those terrible terrible feelings but the thing that most sticks in my mind was when we saw that light of a rescuer coming through the darkness that pinpoint of light shining in the darkness and so while we were in darkness and desperation and lost we saw hope in what in a light as it shone through the darkness and we knew that we would live that is what Romans chapter 3 verse 21 is but now that's that light <laughs> shining into our hearts into our lives into our world saying this darkness that we're in there is a cure there is hope and it's God it says the righteousness of God God is that rescuer that light shining to, to rescue us to save us from that, that place that we're in it has been made known 
Isn't that good news this morning? That's why Pastor Tom, every Sunday, as he sings and he encourages us to sing, because this is good news. This is worth singing about. This is worth celebrating. This is worth everything because it is our hope. It is our life. It is the light shining into our hearts. And so we look at this word righteousness. Why, why is this word so beautiful, so important to us? A lot of times we miss it. We, we think about um, other things or we, it goes over our head. But this word righteousness really, I like to boil it down to, is really the good life. This is the good life. This is what God intended for us, for us to be right with God, not only legally but relationally, and to be right with others. And so there's this rightness, there's this goodness, and it's what we long for, it's what we desire and we strive for, but we cannot achieve on our own. We cannot get there. We cannot get out of the cave on our own. God provides it. So God's righteousness given, made known to us. And so we have to understand our true condition and if you go down to verse uh, 22 and 23 this righteousness is given so we cannot earn this we cannot find it we cannot make it happen this is given to us and it's only received by us through faith and this righteousness is revealed in a person the person of Jesus Christ there is no other way it is only through Jesus that we can experience the good life it is only through Jesus that we can be right with God and others. And so this is the good news, but we must realize in verse 23 that there is a condition that we're in of a fading glory. So this idea of glory, we have to understand that um, glory is something that is so central to human flourishing. It's so central to what we were created for. But it says here that all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. So we as human beings have a problem. We have a, a fading glory, a fading glory. So this glory we experience glimpses of on the human level. Think about with me art as a great artist paints a picture. Or think with me of a sports athlete making a perfect basket or a, 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 a touchdown throw or a, a great hockey shot. There's a, there's a sense of glory that, or an orchestra playing a beautiful song, or architecture as you look at buildings that are made, or technology, or even language and words and poetry. All these things carry glory. There's a weightiness to them. And so when we talk about glory, we're talking about really a weightiness, a beauty, a strength, a joy, incredible excellence. Aren't our hearts drawn to those things? I mean, people pay a lot of money for those things. Uh, Bill mentioned a few, uh, maybe a month ago, ago, that when he was describing glory, it's like a diamond. And so when that diamond um, is bigger and weightier, it's worth more. The, the, the worth increases, right? And so human glory is fading glory. So all those things I mentioned are fading. And so even a great artist that piece of art will fade literally in the sunlight. If sunlight. That's why people spend so much money trying to protect art. And if you think about sports or athletes, even the greatest athletes who made those incredible shots, one day will age to the point where they can't even get out of bed. Or the orchestra that will occasionally play wrong notes. Or the architecture buildings that will crumble and fall. The technology, this phone in a year will be worthless, <laughs> right? It's fading. Our glory is fading. In the Bible, this is described when Moses would go up 
into the presence of God and it said that his face would literally shine because he had been in the glory of God and that glory was reflecting off of him but then he would have to do something it said he would put a veil over his face because it was a fading glory you see that's the human condition we we strive for beauty we strive for excellence we strive for strength and joy but but it doesn't last it's unlasting this is in contrast to God's glory look what the verse says that we don't we fall short of God's glory and so if human glory is fading glory God's glory is expanding glory ever increasing glory think about that so all those longings we have for glory ultimately is found in God and it doesn't diminish it increases I think the best illustration for this is when we put our telescopes or we look up into the sky and we look at the universe our minds are blown away because the universe is continually expanding it is endless infinite and this is a, a creative image of who God is and his infinite beauty and his glory always expanding always increasing and so that longing that we have for glory and we cannot achieve in our own is found in God God is the source of glory he is the source of beauty of joy of strength and incredible excellence in God and it is in him that we experience glory. Now, Paul says in a, in a place, I think it's in Corinthians, that we too with unveiled faces will see his glory. Do you hear that? So there's a day coming when we will experience that never-ending, expanding glory. And we're starting to experience it today in this verse 21 where it says, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. How do we experience the glory of God? His righteousness, his righteousness. (laughs) He's sharing his glory with us. We were created to live in glory, and so he's sharing his glory with us. The prophet Isaiah said, as he looked, he said, I see a day when the glory of God will cover the earth as the sea, as the waters of the sea cover the earth. And so God is expanding, increasing his glory so that every person, all of creation, will experience it that is the glorious day we long for and he's beginning it today in verse 23 through 26 we see this need for glory how we fall short but verse 24 we're introduced to God's plan his purpose and sharing his glory with us now verses 24 or 23 to 26 are some of the richest verses in the Bible and so what we're going to do today won't do justice in fact books and volumes and libraries have been written on just few words within these verses but we are going to begin to look at a few of these words and begin to start to grasp them and begin to grow in our in our understanding and our worship of God and what he's provided for us in verse 24 and all are justified freely by his grace that word justified is the way that we experience God's righteousness So justified literally means to be declared righteous, to be declared right, okay? This is a legal term. It's it's a proclamation. And if you notice with me, there's only one way that we experience justification, by grace. There's no other way. By grace. And all are justified freely by His grace. So here's the key. Justification, being made right, is impossible on our own. Impossible. That is you and I in that cave without a flashlight impossible to get out 
We needed a savior. And so grace, his favor, his blessing, his intervention in our lives, he came into our lives. And so it is by grace that we receive justification. And did you notice it's emphasized free, (laughs) freely. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. It's free through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Now let's look at this word redemption. This is important. It literally means to buy back something that was lost. It has a a connotation with slavery, to be bought out of slavery. But I want us to look more closely at this word because it's not just just a buying back, but it's also a remaking of something. It's a remaking of something. So it's taking something that was old, lost, and making it brand new. Now, uh, maybe more than a few years ago, many years ago, there was a TV show called Extreme Home Makeover. If you guys see that, that show? Okay, so I think that show gives us a great illustration of redemption because what would happen is they would go out and they'd find an older, dilapidated home and you would kind of just think, you know, they're just going to kind of make it livable. But no, what would they do? They would go in and they'd basically tear the home down and build a brand new home. And it wasn't just functional, it was extravagant. <laughs> it was over the top, right? Now, did those people buy? No, it was given to them. So that is what God is doing with me and with you. You see, we are beyond repair in one sense. We can't just be improved. We have to be made new. And that's why this message, this good news of Jesus is that God actually redeems us, meaning he takes us in our broken, lost state, and then he ends us in a sense he 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 tears us down but then he remakes us brand new paul says we are new creations made new made in the image of god in the image of christ and so this is redemption and it's beautiful it's extravagant that's why i like extreme home makeover because it's just over the top extravagantly beautiful and cool And so my life must end, your life must, must, must end, and we must be born into a new life. That's why we use this term, born again. And so this is redemption. God redeems us through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. And so as you go on, it says Christ, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Again, this is a word that we don't have enough time today to really explore, but it's only one word in the Greek, but it has so much rich meaning. But, but we know, and I've heard from my parents, and you hear this, older people telling younger people, is that there's really nothing truly free, right? There's no free lunch. Have you heard that term? That everything has a cost? Well, that's true. Everything has a cost. And so this redemption, this justification, this righteousness comes with a cost. And this is, the, this is the way that cost is paid. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. You see, we couldn't pay. We couldn't earn it. There was nothing we could do. So God did it for us. He provided for us. And this sacrifice of atonement was literally a reference back to the sacrificial system that the Jews had for where they would bring sacrifices to the altar and to the the Holy of Holies. And then that would satisfy the justice of God for a year, but then they would have to come back year after year, time after time. Every time they sinned, they would have to bring a sacrifice. But as that Ark of the Covenant was there, 
before the altar, there was literally a covering that would cover over it. And that's what this word is referring to. Now, if you think back with me all the way to the beginning, Adam and Eve in this glorious state with God, it says they were naked, meaning there was no shame, there was no sin, there was no guilt. They were free to live in perfect righteousness. But then when sin came, what happened? They ran, they hid, they were shamed. And it says they covered themselves with what? Fig leaves. Now, I I don't know about you, but fig leaves just don't do it. (laughs) It's not enough covering, right? (laughs) Too much is exposed. But that's the human condition. We We don't have enough covering for ourselves. But in Genesis, it says God provided clothing, covering. That's the word here. God provides a covering. He makes a way to to remove the guilt, the shame, the fear, the sinfulness, the condition we're in. He covers over it. We are forgiven. It's no longer the penalty of sin held against us, but God pays for it. He pays the debt. And how did he do this? The shedding of his blood. And it says the only way we can experience this gift, this covering, is to receive it by faith. By faith. Meaning we have to believe, we have to trust, we have to, to, to be fully convinced that God has done this and will do this. Now there's a couple things in these verses that I want to I wanna share with you that I hope remain with you because there's two deep human longings that we have and needs. One is love. We need to be loved. And I've observed uh, that as kids grow up, you know, if they're growing up in a home where their parents love them and care for them and provide for them, there's, there's flourishing that happens. There's health that happens. There's confidence that happens. But I've also seen kids where they've been abused and neglected and the deep brokenness that happens in the soul. And, and that eventually always happens to all of us. We've all experienced not being loved. But, but there's a deep human need for love. In fact, I would even characterize it as a need equal to air, oxygen that we breathe, and the food we eat. We were made to be loved. We have that need. But we also have this incredible need for justice. We need love, and we need justice. And, and uh, I don't know if you've been to a playground recently, but without fail, you'll be sitting there, and as kids are playing, you will hear the statement, it's not fair, <laughs> right? <laughs> we have a cry for justice. In fact, Many of us, as we live here in America, are blessed by a justice system. It's not perfect, but, but if someone does something wrong, a crime, if they, they, they hurt someone, there's a payment that has to happen, and we're, we're thankful for that. I don't want to live in a society where there is no justice. You don't want to live in a society where people can do whatever they want. No, we long for justice. We need justice. And so how do we reconcile these two great needs? Well, God... It says in verse 26, he has demonstrated his righteousness in the present time to be just and the one who justifies. In the earlier verse, he said he, because in his forbearance, he left sins unpunished. So what we have here is the the dual needs that we have as human beings, but also the dual character of God being perfect love and perfect justice all at the same time. This is, this is extraordinary. This is amazing that, that God is love, but he is also just. Now, how do we know this? How do we experience this? Only one place. And Paul referred to this in verse 25. 
It's through the cross, the shedding of the blood. The cross is the only place in all of human history where perfect love and perfect justice have met. And it's in the cross that it meets our deepest human need for love and for justice. And so what we see here is God in his love, he does not punish us. The sins that we commit do not receive the full punishment they deserve. If they did, none of us would be here today. We would all be terminated because that's what we deserve. No, God in his love doesn't punish us. And so how do we see the justice of God? Well, he came as Jesus, as the Son of God, and he lived a perfect life, and then he died a cruel death of a criminal. And not only was he suffering physically, but it says he literally took on the sins of the whole world upon his shoulders. And so every wrong thing I've ever done was what nailed Jesus to the cross. Everything that we have done that falls short of God's glory crucified him, beat him, spit on him, mocked him. That is justice. God poured out his justice on Jesus. But it was love. It was love because he didn't deserve it. That's not, that was our penalty, but he took it upon himself. And so it was a sacrifice, meaning he took upon himself something that he did not deserve for our good. And so in the cross, we have justice of God, sins punished, but we have the love of God and sins forgiven. Wow. Redemption, the cost. There was a price to be paid for our salvation. And so it's in the cross that we see the justice and the love of God. So what does Paul say? Where then is boasting? How can, how can we say we're good people or, or we've accomplished so much or done so much? No, it's when we come in the presence of God that we are undone and we fall to our knees and we're just, we have nothing to offer. There's nothing in us that could offer anything to God. It's all that he's given to us. And so how could we boast? How could we be prideful? We're undone. But it's in that place of humility that we experience the grace of God. Because every time in the Bible where people are flat on their face before God, what does God do? He reaches down and he picks them up. <laughs> he raises them up. And so it's that love of God that pursues us, that calls us. It's, it's his desire to redeem us, to save us. He saw us lost in the darkness and he brings the light to rescue us. And so it's this righteousness, it's this glory of God that he's sharing with us, lavishing on us, giving to us, that allows us to come before God with unveiled faces. That's why we can come this morning with song and smiles and joy and confidence because God and his love is li lifting us up. So this morning, I wanna share with you moms in particular because there's days where you are thinking, what am I worth? What am I doing? When those condemning thoughts come, I'm unimportant. I'm unimportant, I'm not worthy, I'm not accomplishing anything. When it feels like there is no light, I wanna remind you the righteousness of Jesus is for you. And he brings 
not only salvation, but he gives you that confidence, that worth, and that goodness to live in the fullness of God's glory as a mom. <laughs> and this is available to all of us, but, but we need to remember, we need to find that this good news of the righteousness of God is for us in our daily lives. I think Ray Stedman says it the best, so I'm just going to read what he said about this passage. He says, God still accepts us and highly values us. We are his dearly loved children, and he will never change. You see, God is faithful. <laughs> Even though we're changing, shifting, God is not changing. This is what God's gift of righteousness means to us. It is wonderful, good news indeed that we never need to fear. The God of ultimate holiness, the God who lives in holy light, who we cannot even begin to approach, he has accepted us into the beloved. Do you hear that? You are accepted. And we stand on the same ground of worth that he himself has. You see, it's not ours. It's, it's Christ's righteousness giving to us. We can remind ourselves, as I seek to do every day of three things, I am made in God's image. Therefore, I'm able to act beyond the capacity of any animal. See, we're not just animals. I am a man made in God's image. I'm a woman made in God's image. Do you, do you catch the worth, the glory of that? Second, I'm possessed by God's Spirit. That means I'm forgiven. Amen? Forgiven, clean, I'm freed, I'm filled. And third, I'm part of God's plan. I'm part of the working out of his purposes. So as a mom, you are working out the purposes of God in the world today. And God will make everything I do fit into his plan. Therefore, I can go on with purpose and with confidence and with love and without guilt or any sense of inadequacy or fear. I have perfect freedom to concern myself with all the problems around me and not be wrapped up in the ones inside. Those are all taken care of. Amen? Taken care of. And that is truly wonderful. As the worship team comes up, let's pray. Lord, we come before you just amazed by your glory, Lord. Lord, my words are, are small today, but God, help us to see your glory and to be amazed by what you've done in Jesus, that that righteousness is made known to us today.